This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. On this Halloween morning, it's Monday, October 31st. Thank you for joining us here on Real Talk. Ryan Jesperson, John Hicks. I was certain, Johnny, that you would show up dressed today as as Mario or Luigi or uh, or or maybe one of the you know the Pokemon characters or something. I was expecting just absolutely all the stops to be pulled out. You had been hinting for weeks <laughs> that you might show up dressed for Halloween, but you but- know what? I didn't. But you know what's <laughs> funny is driving to work on Halloween is one of my favorite experiences. Yeah. Well, today, not so much because everyone's like rushing because they had to get their makeup on and they're all late. Right. I- I'm taking my time because I'm trying to be safe. <laughs> but the funniest part is watching people driving in full costume. <laughs> I turn my head and I see like a witch with her hat, you know, yeah. brushed up against the roof. Dracula with blood down his face trying to tend into. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just yeah, the costume at work is, uh, you know, you never want to show up into the workplace uh, as the only one dressed in costume, and you never want to show up as the only one not dressed in costume as well. So I'd be curious to know where Real talker- Talkers are at on this. We're already getting submissions. People are already sending us emails, tagging us in their tweets and their Instagram posts of their, their Halloween costumes, and there's some good ones going on right now. Uh, did you hear about Kim Kardashian over the weekend? I did, yeah. That's an amazing story. Showing, do you think that it's a real story, or do you think it's cooked up? Showing up at a 50th birthday party, she figured it was a Halloween costume party. It was not, and she was the only one. In, it was in- not. It was a classy event, and she was <laughs> like, <laughs> I love when that happens. Oh, though. it's amazing. It's like on The Office when uh, Pam uh, shows up to her new job when she leaves the office, and she's going going to school or whatever, and she shows up as Charlie Chaplin and nobody's dressed up. So then she takes the hat off, but she can't do that because then she looks like Hitler. So oh, so she's got to wear the whole Charlie Chaplin costume the whole day. She's 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 in there. Yeah. You ever wonder if the Chaplin family is a little choked that, that Hitler, like, uh, what's the word called? Like, co-opted. He, he like, basically took the, 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 the stash style. That sort of, like, went out. He was he was kind of the last one to wear that style, Yeah, I would say. I mean, Charlie <laughs> Chaplin, oftentimes described by a lot of people as the great Greatest film star of all time. Yeah. But yeah, a, a risky costume choice. Very risky. Uh, are you guys doing something tonight? It's Halloween. Of on course, a, yeah. Halloween falling on a Monday is a tough one. Mm, I kind of like it because it means like, like I did three Halloween parties this weekend. I am done. Uh, so I like that it's going to be kind of relaxed. But yeah, we always do. We do a full family. Co- same as you do. But we have yeah. the, the little puppy. So yeah, I'll give it away this year. Uh, last year we went as uh, well. We've been like. The dishes one year. Uh, I was a uh, soap. My wife was a uh, a loofah, and the uh, the dog was a little rubber ducky. So I guess it was Amazing. in the bathtub. Uh, this year we're going as uh, kind of an evil and innocent thing. She's being an Ooh. angel. Dog, little pups being a devil, and I I'm being a uh, your holiness. Not the Pope, but just a priest. Just the other holiness. <laughs> yeah. Wow. All right. I wonder if there will be any Queen Elizabeth costumes or King Charles costumes this year. I was year, thinking if be about an that today. In those. Is that like what is the disrespectful hot... or? Well, is it too soon? Is it, it, it ever... It's a little. Soon. Who who was it on the? Uh, someone on our chat. I remember we were talking about you know when the Queen passed away and a couple of people were wisecracking about it and said, mm. "Is it too soon?" And there was the take that with with the Queen or with the monarchs or with the royal family, it's never too soon. Yeah, I'm not sure. 
Uh, I saw a friend of the show. Uh, people people were showing us and sharing, of course, their photos over the weekend. A friend of the show went as, as Jackie Kennedy, <laughs> like in the pink dress, like oh from my. the Dallas limo. So you can imagine there, Not was, with like... there was some makeup involved. Oh, gosh. And uh, and even the comments on that, someone was like, ah, is that too soon? <laughs> it's like, you know, 60 years ago or whatever yeah. it was. Uh, we want to see your costumes. We're going to be sharing some of them, of course, coming up in this uh, special edition of Real Talk in the sense that positive reflections, which puts a big smile on our face every Monday. That's the whole point presented by Kubi Energy. Uh, when we started getting your photos and videos, we thought, well, this seems like a perfect place to showcase them. So that'll be coming up at the end of the show. In just a second, finance journalist Stephanie Hughes will join us from the Financial Post. She's doing a bunch of reporting on Tiff Macklem, the Bank of Canada, these interest rates, uh, another rise expected. Like, remember, we just talked about the sixth one of the year uh, with, with uh, I mean, we were talking to, to um, I mean, the modern economist, you know, Todd joined us just last week. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and um, we, we sort of felt like, okay, how do we wrap our mind around this and what does this do? How do how do we react to this as a as a society? And and Todd Hirsch is saying, well, you know, he kind of compared the recession type scenario to a common cold and uh, and got into that metaphor a little bit. That guy always helps us make sense of it. Well, number seven is expected to come. Tiff Macklem uh, on the record just a short time ago. Uh, before we get to Stephanie, uh, actually, why don't we bring that up, Johnny? This is Tiff Macklem, obviously governor of the Bank of Canada, talking about these rate hike increases and, and essentially saying maybe, you know, the pains, not only is it not done, not only do rates need to hold where they're at, uh, but we're probably going to have to crank them up again. Here he was just a couple of days ago. Our policy rate will need to increase further. How much further will depend on how monetary policy is working to slow demand, how supply changes, supply challenges are resolving, and how inflation and inflation expectations are responding to this tightening cycle. Tightening cycle. Stephanie Hughes is a finance reporter at the Financial Post. She covers banking, uh, central bank dynamics, fintech, uh, cryptocurrencies, and other relevant topics in these fast-moving financial markets you got to move to stay on top of these stories. You may recognize her uh, from her work with BNN Bloomberg, Yahoo Finance Canada, CTV News, and the Toronto Star, making her Real Talk debut. Stephanie, a good Monday morning to you. Thanks for making time for us today. Good morning, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet. I could, I could probably have some sort of Halloween metaphor or at least a segue <laughs> talking about scary markets or a scary situation here. Uh, but Tiff Macklem essentially telling Canadians there, expect more of the same pain. What do you make of it? For sure. And I think it's kind of expected because uh, we're still seeing, speaking of spooky numbers, we're seeing that inflation reading, uh, the latest one, uh, sit uncomfortably high at 6.9%. That is a far cry from the bank's 2% target. So more rate hikes expected. This has a lot of economists wondering or making bets on what that terminal rate would look like. The terminal rate being the highest that the bank will go in its current tightening cycle before it starts cutting again. So a lot of economists are putting this at 4% or modestly higher. So if you look at the current policy rate at 3.75%, it's really not going to take that much more to nudge it within that range. So uh, spookier numbers ahead. If, uh, if you thought inflation was bad, uh, then we're also hitting this, getting hit with this double whammy of high borrowing costs on top of that. Yeah, no kidding. And I think, you know, for the average person that, that might not 
pay attention to to the the nuance of the news cycle. You know what I mean? The person is just concerned day to day with getting the kids to school on time or or making sure they do everything they need to do at work. Um, For a lot of people, especially if they're on fixed rates, they may not have been paying too much attention. This may not have hit them. But for people on variable rates from the beginning of this year, where where it was at a quarter point to where it is now, I mean, this has been this has been a dramatic change to state the obvious. Absolutely. Yeah. And like, as you pointed out, we've seen 3.5 percentage hikes uh, in total this year. So far cry from its lower bound of a quarter of a point now resting at 3.75%. This is one of the aggressive tightening cycles I've heard economists say um, in Canada's, especially its recent history. I mean, uh, going in like even before the financial crisis or heading from the financial crisis, we were used to low rates. And this is probably the highest it's been for a lot of people in my generation, the millennial generation. So those variable rate um, homeowner or mortgage holders are going to see a little bit more pain ahead um, or probably in for quite a bit of a sticker shock once their uh, mortgage comes for renewal. So um, just to give uh, uh, viewers kind of a primer here, uh, the policy rate informs the prime rates that the banks charge, which is responsible for mortgages, loans, all that kind of stuff. So it's not for nothing. Um, like uh, Tip Macklin just mentioned in that clip there, he's trying to pull out the excess demand out of the economy to give these challenged supply chains uh, caused largely by the Russian invasion into Ukraine and uh, the China's pursuit of a COVID zero policy time to catch up. So the reason why we saw such a spike in consumer demand was because right after the recession restrictions, sorry, rather the pandemic restrictions were lifted, then you saw demand up here while supply chain challenges brought uh, the supply to that's coming to market down here. So trying to use monetary policy to kind of uh, create some more equilibrium there. So people are trying to, I mean, the, the average person goes, well, how much higher can this go, right? Because for some people, they're doing the quick math and they're realizing that, you know, going from, you know, a quarter percent up to 3.75, they're going, this is costing me, depending on their situation, for a lot of people, hundreds or even thousands of dollars a month. People are starting to do this math and go, well, how much, how much further could this go? Here's what Tiff Macklem, governor of the Bank of Canada, had to say just a couple of days ago. We need the economy to slow to rebalance demand and supply and relieve price pressures. We expect growth will stall in the next few quarters, in other words, growth close to zero. But once we get through this slowdown, growth will pick up, our economy will grow solidly, and the benefits of low and predictable inflation will be restored. I thought there was something to that, the benefits of predictable inflation. But 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 as a market watcher, as one that's keeping an eye on the, the economy writ large, what did you take from that comment? Well, I took from what makes it so unpredictable is that we're not just fighting inflation from our domestic borders. It's not just Canadians going out and buying. It's There's a lot of international factors at play. Like I mentioned, Russian invasion into Ukraine, uh, China's ability to actually bring supply to market there. So there's so many different, and then central bank dynamics, when we uh, started quantitative easing, it created this whole experiment uh, that um, a few economists had argued would has has been quite inflationary and uh, the fiscal supports have been um, somewhat inflationary as well, they would argue. So all of these factors are kind of working in tandem and, and Canada is not alone in this in, in this new experiment here that the whole world, all the central bankers around the world were uh, partaking in this. So when Macklem says more hikes are necessary and that there's and it's it, really those price pressures are unpredictable and sticky. 
Um, it, it's no surprise that economists are expecting it around 4% or modestly higher. I've seen RBC's uh, investment segment even um, pull that, uh, that range up to 4.5%. So it's been a while since uh, we've actually seen rates that high. Yeah. And, and yet I say this every time because I want to keep reminding ourselves, uh, including me, like there's people that remember mortgages that were 20%. Right. It's, yeah. Isn't it isn't it interesting to just talk about like where, where the generations are at and consumer behavior and 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 people leveraging themselves? I mean, just the whole mindset, the whole culture. Right. I mean, I'm getting maybe a little bit esoteric, but still it's real life. I mean, and how people borrow money and how people spread themselves thin. And I mean, you think back in the day, people taking mortgages were at like credit card rates. It's, it's hard to wrap your mind around. Exactly. And I want to actually pull on a thread you just mentioned there where we are a very highly indebted country. So that's kind of what makes our economy more sensitive to these interest rate hikes. So it's kind of like we're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Yes, we want to raise those rates to get inflation down because those are cost pressures that hurt all Canadians. But at the same time, it's uh, it's a lot of pain for these over leveraged homeowners, uh, which uh, big significant portion of the GDP uh, is kind of uh, dependent on. So when a lot of economists are calling for a recession sometime next year or something, whenever it may be and whenever, whatever form it might take, a lot of them point to a downturn in the housing sector yeah. since we have been so reliant on it. Yeah, no kidding. And you're seeing that. I mean, the numbers in Toronto, we were, we were talking about them just last week, but it's wild. Didn't they say like, I think they said single home housing starts, Year over year, we're down like something like 96% and the condo market was almost 90. Yeah. And uh, I'm not surprised because uh, like one thing that happened uh, just globally is that commodities prices have been fluctuating. Um, the, the, the costs of actually uh, getting things built today and then the labor shortage, getting yeah. people to actually put these condos and houses together. All this is working in tandem to really grind supply to a halt, including red tape. It, it, there's a lot of factors out there. So matching the demand for housing, especially since we're welcoming a lot of immigrants, it, it's going to be a mismatch for a while. So though we're seeing the price, the average price across the country start to ease a bit because the um, uh, the, the rising rates are putting more would-be homeowners on the sidelines, there's probably, there might be a bit more of a higher floor than people expect. I'm not going to try to predict that, but it, it we still have this, we're still grappling with this severe mismatch of supply and demand um, in housing markets across Canada's major cities. Yeah, it feels like a really fine line to walk, uh, which is which is why we're grateful to have expert voices like yours on the show. I, I, we look back, you got to look back about 50 years. Uh, can you take us back to the 70s, this phenomenon of stagflation and, and the parallel lines that were running and the, and the problem that was caused there? Because it seems to me like they're, I, I mean, I don't know, whatever. I'm, I'm the last person people should listen to with regards to market observations. But are we running the risk of that again? You know, economists uh, seem to be concerned about that. Maybe they're more so concerned about that earlier when uh, inflation was at its peak of 8.1%. But every once in a while, when I'm reading through all the economist notes that uh, fall in my inbox, like on page six, there will be like a mention of stagflation. I, I still think there's a bit of a concern among some economists. So just to uh, catch viewers up to speed, stagflation being um, stagnating economic growth and high inflation, which 
We saw uh, earlier in the 70s where we saw decades high inflation uh, at the same time that uh, there was higher unemployment. I don't have the exact figures in front of me right now, but this dynamic caused a lot of frustration. So central bankers now are not interested in repeating those same policy mistakes that led to that environment. So as to whether we can see uh, uh, something like that kind of manifest itself next year, uh, it seems like the economists that I I rely on for uh, their expertise uh, believe that if we do hit a recession, um, it, it's going to be pretty moderate at best, um, or hopefully at best, or at worst rather. Uh, but uh, it's it, it seems like it's an undercurrent risk and uh, something that economists are paying closer attention to. Macklem is towing the line of saying, or really making sure Canadians know he's really trying to avoid that kind of uh, it, repeating that historical event. Yeah. Let, let me ask you this in closing. We're talking to uh, Stephanie Hughes, for a Financial Post reporter. Uh, ultimately, like the average person that's listening to this podcast or that's going to see this on YouTube is going to say, OK, like, what does this mean for me? <laughs> like, what, do, what do I take away? What do I expect over the next the week or month or quarter or the next year? Uh, what's something tangible we can take away from here for the average Canadian? Tangible. Um, I say for Canadians, including myself, it means we're all going to be kind of stuck in this tug of war uh, and we'll be hit with this double whammy of high inflation, high borrowing costs for a while. Unfortunately, um, the Bank of Canada itself says it's probably not going to get back to its inflation target of 2% until some until near closer to the end of 2024. So this might be a bit more of a drawn out thing than people are expecting. As for how to position yourself uh, when you're at the grocery store, if you can go for the uh, let's start cutting coupons. I, I, you know, if you find out what the answer is, tell me because I'm also trying to find those deals. But uh, yeah, it, it means there's going to be a little bit more pain for a while now. Yeah. But uh, the good news is, I'll leave you with some good news. It's um, we're eased somewhat from the peak of 8.1 percent. It seems like thing uh, the. the Hopefully the rate hikes are having its intended effect. We're not as severe as other countries and as far as our inflation rate goes. And um, I'm optimistic. So I it, I mean, we're, we're kind of in a tough spot right now, but I'm optimistic for the future, uh, even though we keep hearing this growing drumbeat of recession talks. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we'll pull through. Canadians are a hearty bunch. Isn't it wild to, to like sit here and observe that at eight percent inflation there are a lot of countries that are that are it's higher than us like eight percent like quadruple what we'd shoot for unbelievable stuff Stephanie hughes a journalist uh, with the financial post uh you can follow her on twitter at steph hughes 95 recommend you do great insights including a feature piece on tiff macklem thanks for doing this steph thanks for having what a happy halloween to you you dressing up tonight uh, probably like a devil, just going to put the little devil horns on. There you uh, go. This, this Halloween snuck up on me, so I'm just going to do the crazy makeup. Like uh, if, if anybody checking out my Twitter could see what I dressed up as the, <laughs> over the weekend. So. All right, there you go. <laughs> well, you, hopefully you see some new followers. Thanks for doing this, sure. Steph. We'll talk to you again soon. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. All right. Oh, her and my wife both being devils tonight. It's there devil, you go. It's Devil's Night. Is I it, thought she, is I it thought Devil's she was Night? Gonna, I thought she was going to have something like like a uh, there was like a markets metaphor or something like that'd be great. She was right? going to be, de- be inflation, rising inflation, rising inflation. <laughs> <laughs> you always see the people that do the uh, that do like the sort of topical Ooh. costumes. I wonder what the topical costume is. Uh, did you watch Saturday Night Live? Saturday Night Live. This I did. I, uh, I did it on Sunday, and uh, yeah, great, great yeah, stuff. There was it was great to see uh, the Will Smith. I don't want to ruin anything. Am- I don't want to ruin. Yeah, Tom like, Hanks oh, shows talk. up yeah. as, as David surprise. Pumpkins. Yeah, big and, surprise. Yeah, David S. Pumpkins. Yeah. <laughs>
Yeah, fantastic stuff. Charles Adler coming up in just a second. Before we get to Chuck, I want to read an email that we got from Megan as well. I know that you're going to love this one, I think. Um, I loved it. I read it, and then I read it again to my wife. She loved it, and and Chuck, a dog lover, I guarantee he's going to love it. Okay. Uh, first, let me remind you that these conversations happen because we've got great partners, uh, including our friends over at the Covenant Foundation Lottery who want to remind you we are down at crunch time now. You have three days left. You have until November 3rd. I mean, that's the deadline to get your tickets to qualify for life-changing luxury, that $2.2 million grand prize dream home it comes fully furnished stunning stuff it's got a botanical room it's got like all of the things you would expect in a two plus million dollar mansion and beautiful beautiful yeah you're rich oh my gosh look at this thing i'm falling i'm gonna i'm gonna have a hard time you know we've been looking at this video every single time for the last couple of months looking at the video i drive by this house every day i feel a connection to this house incredible do they have a dumb waiter though (laughs) <laughs> Remind me, that, is that like the little elevator thing that carries yeah, the food? Yeah. You think they're going to change the name of that thing soon? The dumb waiter? It's, uh, it's offensive. Yeah, it is offensive, <laughs> but it's so convenient. Waiters are smart. <laughs> they're also giving away an Alfa Romeo, a BMW, a Lexus. Uh, I mean, amazing trips. All in support of the Misericordia and Grey Nuns Hospitals. You can get your tickets today. Don't delay at CovenantFoundationLottery.ca. Our friends at Apex Automation saw them in action over the weekend on Instagram. Some fantastic costumes. Yeah, they're all about teamwork. I mean, they they get together. Their corporate culture is, is really something that they celebrate. They're giving people back their time, not just their clients, but their teammates as well. It's why more and more professional engineers are choosing Apex Automation. Uh, If you're watching on YouTube, we're showing you right now a system. This is them testing it. This is for a SAG-D facility. I mean, they do a ton of service to industries like upstream oil extraction, pipelines, natural gas processing, chemical manufacturing, potash mining, robotics, brewing, you name it. They're opening locations literally across North America because they want to be closer to their clients. So their turnaround time is just a fraction of what their competitors is. If this sounds like a place you'd like to work, check out apexautomation.ca. At St. Albert and Sherwood Dodge, they've got Alberta's best selection, guaranteed of Ram trucks, the 1500 in particular. I'm absolutely loving my Longhorn trim edition. That nice Western flair, beautiful luxury, and of course that Hemi, all the hauling power you need for your family. Looking for something maybe to keep you on the road through these weather conditions we're expecting over the next few months. America's uh, most awarded SUV ever, the Jeep Grand Cherokee. You can find them too at St. Albert and Sherwood Dodge. And a shout out to our friends at Local Environmental Services. They're doing business in Alberta and Saskatchewan. They're based out of Regina, Edmonton. They've got a fantastic thing going you may recognize of course they they took over Callahoo waste those of you in Sturgeon County know what I'm talking about why do more and more people keep going with local environmental services because they understand that communities deserve better their customers their partners deserve better you can learn more about what that means by checking out localenvironmental.ca don't forget you can send us your emails to talk at ryanjesperson.com if they're the cream of the crop if you're getting something off your chest, you may hear your email and trash talk on Friday presented by our friends at Local Environmental Services. So we were talking about dogs last week mm-hmm. and we were talking about dogs aging mm-hmm. and we were talking about the, the, the heartbreak or the pain that may come, you know, when you lose a furry family member. Yeah. And it was kind of like out of nowhere. 
a conversation that, that hit us between the eyes a little bit. It was it was like one of those heavy conversations we didn't expect, mm-hmm. but real life, right? And so Megan, she sends this email, sends it on Saturday. I love the Saturday morning when she was listening to the show. And uh, Megan says, uh, I absolutely love Real Talk. I listen every day. You keep me in the know. Megan, that's music to our ears. She says, Friday's show, now with the chat about dogs, I hear this from so many dog owners. I'm going to be so sad when she dies or her death was so hard on me. Megan says, I, I think we're all missing the mark. Dogs are about joy. She says, live in the damn moment with them. You know, don't think about when they're when they're not around anymore. Remove that if you can from your periphery. Dogs are here in the here and now. And we all need to enjoy it. And when they are gone, and believe me, I've had to say goodbye to some of the best dogs ever Tell the happy memories. You know, when people are on the fence about getting a dog because of all of the the emotional baggage or risk they could come with, remember the joy. The joy always outweighs the bullshit. That's all I got. Peace Uh, from Megan. Isn't that great? (laughs) Yes. I don't like talking about dogs dying, though. See? But we're focusing on on the positive. (laughs) We're focusing on the positive. And I thought this might be a a perfect introduction to our great friend, Emmy Award winner, Charles Adler, who joins us on Monday mornings. If you follow him on Twitter, at Charles Adler, you've seen photos of Chuck's dogs before. I liked that reminder, my man. That was was a solid reminder to live in the moment from Megan. Megan, uh, thank you very much uh, for giving Real Talk uh, a wonderful slogan if Mr. Jesperson would only accept it. <laughs> the joy outweighs the bullshit. <laughs> right? Thank you, Megan. You're holding up your Real Talk mug, available via the merch link at ryanjesperson.com. It makes me, it makes me, I'm reading into this that you're suggesting that perhaps Megan's slogan, her mantra, needs to be stamped on a mug for all to on see. On a mug, sip. exactly. Yeah. The joy outweighs the bullshit. <laughs> what could be, <laughs> you know, I'm always looking because, of course, I've lived everywhere in the country. I'm always looking for ways for Western Canada with a little bit of humor because Western Canadians are, are, are people who are filled with abundance of humor. And we're always portrayed as these people who are just whining and, you know, the grievance junkies and all the rest. And I realize that's a, a big part of the politics. But basically, we're people who are very down to earth and have a great sense of humor. What better way to transmit the message of real talk to Eastern and Central Canada than saying real talk? Joy outweighs bullshit. <laughs> you nailed it. I love it. Hey, are you uh, are you a Halloween guy? Like, uh, yeah. is it, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not a I'm not a Halloween uh, fanatic. Although my, my dogs are are dressed as uh, one is an angel and the other is a devil, so I guess that would make me a. My dogs are Halloween dogs. There's no question about that. We got a theme going on. Big here. theme this year. Yeah, good, good and evil. The uh, the, uh, the 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 uh, household over here is has got the angel devil theme. We had Steph Hughes from Financial yeah. Post. She's going as the yeah, devil. Something, this is, something's going on. Mm-hmm. Something is going this, on. This, this, it's the we, end we times. Require, <laughs> yeah, we require an analyst. We every one of these shows should have an analyst to basically seize on the on the pattern. She's on the theme. There's a theme here. Folks. Yes, I think so. I think so. Well, you know that every Halloween party, or at least many Halloween parties, are going to see somebody going as Twitter's new owner, Elon Musk. Oh, yeah. uh, the face <laughs> the face of the $44 billion purchase. Uh, I saw your tweet 
uh, earlier this morning, uh, and, and you and you suggest you know if the manipulation of social media can defeat reality. How can any megalomaniac resist its lure? Uh, take us into this. I got a couple of hard-hitting questions for you about the future of Twitter and your future on Twitter. But generally speaking, where are you at at this point in Elon Musk's tenure of his takeover? Let's see. First of all, with reality, uh, we all, when we talk about uh, you know right-wing fanaticism and, and, and anti-vax stuff, the hoaxers, uh, uh, conspiracists, you know the usual suspects of people that we like to to talk about and sometimes rhetorically trounce on this program. We sometimes are smug in making an assumption. And I think it's becoming one of those assumptions that is dangerous, that reality will always win out, that uh, there are forces that we call real, that are evidence-based, and they will always defeat those people who are into conspiracies and extremism, etc. But what if we decided that that assumption is not true? What if we decided that what really matters to most people is that most of the messaging that many, many, many of them are getting are not based in reality, and they accept that? And what if people start to decide, I'm not talking about all people, what, are, what, what, what critical mass of people, multiple millions around the globe. What if they decide that reality is just an opinion? that reality is not as important as we think it is. I think reality needs to be supported just as freedom, real freedom needs to be supported, real freedom of speech, as does democracy. But if we just casually make this assumption that reality is so sturdy that it cannot possibly be defeated in messaging terms, you don't defeat the law of gravity, but I'm just talking about what people believe if people end up believing in, in bullshit, to use the, the term so eloquently used by our, our dog lover a few moments ago, yeah. if people choose bullshit over reality, how can a megalomaniac, whether his name is Elon Musk or, or Zuckerberg or whoever, how can, a, how can a, someone who wants to take over the world or at least dominate the world and dominate the influence in the world, how could they not want to buy Twitter and Facebook and and Google, because if you want to bend reality, that's the way to do it. Obviously, the big story over the weekend involving Elon Musk and Twitter. I think, well, maybe one of the stories is is, is whether or not you know people are going to pay to keep their blue check marks, their verified accounts, and things like that. We'll get to that in a second. But sure. Nancy Pelosi's husband Paul attacked in their home. I mean, it's obviously a troubling story. Attacked by a man wielding a hammer, and uh, Hillary Clinton shares details of this, and then Elon Musk chimes in and is like, "Wow, there there seems to be some uh, you know discrepancy over whether or not this is uh, you know whether or not this is." true or the facts of this and people start piling on and I, and I think it's got a lot of people questioning I mean it's essentially suggesting uh, that the whole story is a hoax or that the whole story was cooked up or that it's not what it appears to be uh, Ben Collins uh, a, a digital and a tech reporter for NBC National News sums up the story for people that, that aren't in the know we'll tee this up with Chuck in just a bit but here's Ben Collins on NBC so, first of all lies on the internet move faster than the truth and that's the in part why there are all these safeguards that Elon Musk is trying to take down on Twitter right now um, the lies that were pushed were from bad pieces of information they found for example they said that uh, Paul Pelosi was uh, in his underwear of course he was 2.30 in the morning at the time he was attacked. They, that led them to believe this was a lover's quarrel between two different people that knew each other. 
the reason they believe they knew each other is because the police put out a statement saying that they didn't really know who opened the door. So they, that led them to believe there was a third person in the house. Mm -hmm. So from there, there was this world building on the pro-Trump internet. What could be the opposite of reality here? And the opposite of reality they came up with was these two people were having a lover's quarrel in a house and the police sort of intruded on us. It's fundamentally incorrect. It was pushed by the richest man in the world. And then yesterday it was pushed by Donald Trump Jr. who posted a picture of underwear and a hammer and said it's a Halloween costume for Paul Pelosi. If we don't cut this out right now, not just the normalization of violence, but the idea that reality can't even exist anymore because it cannot catch up to the lies on the internet. I'm not a scholar on authoritarian history, but yeah. I've, let, I've read Hannah Arendt, I've read all of these people. Mm -hmm. This is how it gets really bad. This is the start of something that gets really, really bad. If you are getting the guardrails off the truth, where it literally cannot catch up to the lies on the internet because of how the pipes work, how the system works, because of the incentives of the richest people in the world, then that's how you lose your democracy. That's how you lose your democracy. That from Ben Collins. And, and there's there's Ben Collins, uh, who's an expert on uh, the baloney on the Internet. That's what he studies literally 24-7. And there it is saying that if we're at a point in our civilization where reality cannot catch up to the lie, where reality is not as safe on the web as the big lie, even the big lie retweeted by the big guy, the big billionaire who owns uh, Twitter, by the way, just to, to give his, the devil his due, he did take it off. He didn't apologize, but he did. Uh, yeah, a couple of days later, retweet. he deleted it. Yeah. But the re retweet was uh, of, of, of this ridiculous hoax that was being perpetrated by a site that is always perpetrating uh, hoaxes. Uh, even years ago, that same site that he retweeted, they said that Hillary Clinton had actually died and that the people we were seeing on TV was a, a body double. Okay, so that's the kind of uh, right. source that he was using, and that source was saying that uh, it was uh, that 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 that, that uh, Pelosi had picked up an LGBT uh, prostitute in San Francisco and brought him home with him. And there's Elon Musk, and therefore millions of others retweeting uh, this kind of trash once again. As the expert says, we're in trouble when reality cannot catch up to the big lie. Yeah, the celebrities have been chiming in. And I mean, some people will say, well, who cares what celebrities think? And, and there's something to that as well. But it's just these are notable voices. I mean, King James, LeBron James uh, chiming in, not on this conspiracy theory per se, but there are also numbers that show that use of the N-word on Twitter uh, increased by 500%. Uh, since Elon Musk took over that reported by Philip Lewis. And so so says uh, LeBron James. I don't know Elon Musk. And to be honest, I, I couldn't care less who owns Twitter. But I will say that if this is true, that stat, I hope his people take this very seriously because it's scary as fuck. So many unfit people saying hate speech is free speech. And so LeBron, who's got a huge platform, a huge voice himself, using his Twitter account to put that out. What about actor Mark Ruffalo? This was an interesting one as well. Speaking uh, to Elon Musk, uh, says, Dear Elon, are you sure about this approach? Right? He's talking about the conspiracy theory. He says, I'm talking to a lot of people with many followers who are getting nervous about where you're headed here. Uh, says the actor, maybe ask some of your old friends from the lighter, brighter days of your rise about this dubious path you're on. 
Uh, saw a similar note from uh, Jimmy Kimmel, who says, what a wild ride to watch the electric car guy turn into a piece of shit. Jimmy Kimmel called him that from his official account. And what about this from Stephen King, the, the author? $20 a month, he says, to keep my blue check mark? Fuck that, says Stephen King. They should pay me. He says, if that gets instituted, I'm gone like Enron. You going to pay 20 bucks a month, Chuck, to keep your verified status, your blue check mark? Why would I pay somebody... When I'm giving them free content, I may not be Stephen King, for Christ's sake. I get, I get that. But many of us who regularly tweet are giving our free time and our free content to Twitter. It's gaining followers, not just followers for us. Forget that. It's gaining followers for Twitter. It's expanding the brand. Why would I give them money for that yeah. it's not about the money obviously it's about the principle stephen king has money i've got money i don't have stephen king's money but i'm not, I'm not <laughs> i don't sit here pretending uh, to, to be poor I, I, I i've said a million times i feel like the most privileged person in the country because of what the canadian people and for a few years what what sure. the what the american people did for for yours truly and yours truly so i'm not complaining about money i'm complaining about in this case not the bending of reality but the bending of principle. Why should Elon Musk charge me for giving him content free? The the thing is, they're providing the platform for free. And for a lot of people, me and you included, the platform's a big deal. I don't know if it's imperative. Like I'm wrestling with this in my own mind. Like if 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 Twitter were just to evaporate. Or if you were to be put in a position where you said, my own principles dictate or demand that I leave, you know, you're leaving like six, I don't know exactly, but something like 65,000 people, you know, I'm leaving over 50,000 people just like, like later. It's a big plot. If you're, if you do fundraising, if, if you're, if you're in the content business, like it is a big deal. And I kind of wonder if the devil has his clutches in a lot of people. <laughs> You know, I, I, I don't know. Listen, it, it, if if it goes the way it's going right now, and I have a feeling that, you know, Musk will do, you know, damage control. But if the kinds of things we're talking about proliferate, if they continue, somebody else will come along because that's the way the free market works. And it won't be called Twitter. It'll be called, I don't know, shitter or something. <laughs> It'll be called something else. And then people, if it's a better brand, if it's a better platform and if they don't charge people, uh, to put their free content on and then and then ask them for, for dough. I mean, it, look, I, is, I, I don't want to sit here and pretend that uh, Twitter isn't doing Ryan Jesperson and yours truly a service by allowing our brand to be exposed to a number of people who might otherwise not see it. I, I don't pretend that. Yeah. And I don't pretend that at some point I wouldn't pay rent for it. My guess is, my guess is that it would have to be a better platform, a better product, would have to clean up its act. I'll give you the, the best example is LeBron James. Why should LeBron James have to get on Twitter and complain about Twitter using the N-word far more today than before Elon Musk bought it? I mean, Elon Musk is a brilliant person. He's got brilliant uh, technical people working with him. It doesn't take a 12-year-old, a 12-year-old who knows how to put an algorithm together, can put one together to eliminate the use of the N-word on Twitter. Yeah. They they can they can they they've got a formula that can actually ban the N word. You'll never see it again on Twitter. They can ban anti-Semitism. They can ban racism. They can ban homophobia. They know what the words are 
And if those words become invalid, if they just simply do not penetrate, you can clean up Twitter in yeah, nanoseconds. I don't know if you can. I don't want to. I mean, I don't want to get. I don't want to. I don't want to paint myself into a corner here. But I just think that it seems to me, or it feels to me, like there's there's. Uh, I don't know when you say you can ban. Uh, do I even want to get into this, Charles? Like you can ban racism. Okay, well, if that means banning the or an algorithm that that stamps down the N word, absolutely a hundred percent. But but can like algorithms can't recognize nuance algorithms by definition are not human and it's all these like gray areas where people are like right. like you know like the 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 sort of like you talk to anybody that experiences discrimination and they'll talk about the uh you know there's like kind of like the the, the hard obvious like n-word someone says it on public transit you're like oh it's it's shocking and it rattles you but then there's all the microaggressions and there's all the subtle stuff and there's all the gray area stuff and i just don't know i think that's always going to be a part of public dialogue and that takes i think human that interaction to call it out but if you chase away we have the same conversations about politics as we do about social media as if the landscape becomes a hellscape and you chase away the the, the do-gooders you know if, if you chase away as mr rogers would call them the helpers uh, because uh -huh. because they no longer want to be a part of it and they no longer right. want to participate then there's no human regulators you know i just I, I don't know. I mean, you know, someone like LeBron James doesn't need Twitter. He, he's he's so big. He doesn't need Twitter. Uh, but, you know, but I just I, I worry about the average. I wonder about the average person and whether or not there will still be an, an appetite for it. You know, you talk, there could be an alternative site or an alternative platform. Sure. That's what Parler was or is. That's what Gab was or is. People booted off Twitter going there. Uh, but that creates. I mean, it doesn't that just create further echo chambers? Doesn't that, in a way, in its own way, almost sort of exacerbate the problem? I don't know. I'm all every, twisted. I'm, I'm twisted every, up in this stuff. Every platform will be a, a, an echo chamber, but I yeah. just want to focus on that word nuance. 99% of the goons who are into homophobia and racism and sexism and all the other isms, okay? They're not nuanced people at all. They no. do use words. And the algorithm can detect those words and can, if not eliminate it 100%, they can eliminate most of it. I mean, the, the thing right now, I mean, let's face it. Before, even This has nothing to do with Elon Musk. Long before there was an Elon Musk, Twitter was allowing too much of Twitter to be a sewer. And I never understood why they didn't use technology to clean it up. Now, they, we know that eventually they'll have to do it. They'll have to do it because there will be too many lawsuits. They'll have to do it because there will be too many regulators, if not in the US, here in Canada and in Europe and elsewhere. And for those reasons, not moral reasons, not ethical reasons, for business reasons, ultimately, having access to as many people on the planet as possible, for business reasons, Twitter will end up cleaning itself up. It's just a function of time. But yes, the technology does exist. You know, I, I, I hear you on the nuance, but the technology does exist to clean most of it up. Yeah. I've seen, I don't know, I've seen, you've probably seen this lots too, Johnny, like friends or, or colleagues or contacts. Chuck, I'm sure you have too that have just sworn off social media or that have like closed down their Facebook accounts. Yeah, I'm just jealous gone. of them. I'm jealous of them. Like, cause we're still in, you know, if you want to call it media and, and I would, if I wasn't doing this with you, I would probably fade into the bushes like Homer Simpson as well. Yeah. Cause I agree with Chuck. It is just, it, it, and it's amazing that we have Twitter and it's free and that it's it's a news cycle that is constant and up to date by the minute. But at the same time, 
a lot of the time I go on there, more often than not, yeah, I feel not so great because I see a lot of negative. So. Charles, sometimes I feel like I need to get my life back. You know, I'm like, if I wasn't well, I, scrolling on I, Twitter, I'd probably be out with my son in the backyard. You know what I mean? Like, one reason, one reason why social media is in a bit of uh, trouble is because parents love their children. And parents are worried that, hey, wait a minute, if I'm uh, somewhat addicted, what about my kid? Oh, my God. Why do I want to expose my kid to this? And so the, the fear of Internet addiction or Twitter addiction, Facebook addiction, TikTok, whatever it is, but the, the, the fear of, of, of it becoming you know, more than just a habit, but an actual addiction, I think that's something that uh, all of these platforms face as well. But, you know, the, this idea that you need to be on a platform and you need to be heard 24-7, you really do have to examine your own sensibilities. And yeah. Yeah, I'm not suggesting everyone who does that is an egomaniac or a, a megalomaniac, but I do have to ask people the honest question. If you feel that your opinions are so important that they need to have access 24-7, you need to be on there virtually 24-7, are you missing out on something? Is it time to smell the air, smell the fresh air, smell the coffee, whatever you want to call it, what Brian Jesperson was referring to? If you weren't doing this, would you be playing with your kids a little more? Would you be doing uh, things for your neighbors? Yeah. Would that be a better life? Yeah. Yeah. We heard Dr. Jody Carrington was on the show, the psychologist and author, just a short time ago. She shared a stat with us. You know, you know our great-grandparents, Charles, uh, yeah. let's say the generation – uh, three before us spent, uh, researchers say, 72% more time looking into the eyes of their kids. Oh. 72% more time. And I don't have a percentage on this one, but ask yourself this, because most people are doing their Twitter and whatever indoors. Ask yourself how much more time people would be spending outdoors. Yep. Now, some people think that there's, there's no difference. I think there's all the difference in the world. Uh, most people are in a better mood outdoors than they are indoors. How much more time would we be spending outdoors if there were no social media platforms? Yeah. I think I think these are things that, that let's 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 look at Elon Musk in a positive way uh, because of the, the um, interference of, of Elon Musk in, in in this conversation because he's the the great intruder. It forces us to ask some great questions. And I just wonder how many people right now are going to be making some healthy choices because of what they see as an unhealthy environment. Yeah. Um, you and I had plans to talk about a couple of other things, but but I, I'm hoping to call an audible here uh, if it's okay. okay with you. And this is, we'll let the audience in on this. I'm actually respectfully going to blindside you a little bit. Sure. <clears throat> Not because I meant to. But because I forgot to mention this to you, we got an email from Ken last week and he had a question for you. And so I said, well, I'll just put it in front of Chuck on Monday. And uh, and, and I'm remembering that I forgot to mention that to you. But here it is. You remember? I, you, you, I know yeah. you, you people get to watch you think on your feet. No problem. Yeah, yeah, you know? That's fine. Well, that's I mean, fine. If I don't want to answer free country, if I don't want to answer Ken. I'm yeah, yeah, exactly. 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 So, so you and I were talking about uh, this trend. Uh, if, if, if two incidents can make a trend, uh, first it was uh, Campbell's soup on the Van Gogh, right? And then it was yeah. mashed potato, liquid mashed potatoes on the Monet, if I yeah. remember correctly. And uh, 
And uh, Ken wrote in, you, you had described these as, as directionless, mischievous youth. And Ken said, uh, a thought experiment, he calls you Mr. Adler, a thought experiment for Mr. Adler. If your neighborhood was sitting on a gas line that was about to explode, but your fellow community members were apathetic about it, or worse, paid into services that would expedite that gas line exploding, either because they didn't know or didn't care, would you not do everything in your power to get their attention? But what if they ignored you? What if they influenced the media to paint you as a fearmonger, as a loon that needed help, as a youth that listens to too many radical lectures? What would you do? Mr. Adler, many who are raising awareness about climate change are largely doing so in nonviolent, non-destructive ways. These paintings are sealed and protected against such attacks. Of course, it doesn't make the protesters non-responsible, and it doesn't even mean that they shouldn't face criminal charges. But here's the thing. Chemistry, physics, fundamental ruling mechanics of the universe simply don't care because they can't care. The universe doesn't care, Charles. The universe doesn't care because it can't care. It is incapable of caring. Charles, things are bad right now, but they're going to get worse very quickly. And soon, even the most ardent climate change deniers will be wishing they had listened to the message these villainous youth were trying to promote. That from Ken. What would you tell Ken? I would tell Ken that I knew that Elizabeth May was over when uh, she was using the analogy of the uh, country being on fire and uh, she was going to carry uh, various politicians who weren't on her side. She was going to carry them on her back out of the fire. And that told me that it was over for her because most people just don't respond to that. When you go overboard, you lose people. Uh, when you say that this is the equivalent of a gas leak, but only very, very few people understand that it is a gas leak and that our entire planet or our entire country is about to explode. Uh, when you do that, you, with all due respect to Ken, you know, you lose people. And when you're throwing paint on beautiful art, when you're throwing mashed potatoes at a Monet, you lose people. How you deliver a message is really important. To say that the end justify the means is to defeat how the human mind has worked for many, many years. The means matter. And we have the ability to use language. We have the ability to persuade with the natural tools that we have. And to say that we've got to throw mashed potatoes at art or paint in order to express ourselves is really to diminish the enormous capacity that Ken and everyone else has. Thanks for taking it, Chuck. It's wonderful to see you. Wishing you a happy Halloween, whatever that looks like tonight. Uh, may your candy bars be full-sized. <laughs> and we'll talk to you again in a week. <laughs> happy Kit Kat. <laughs> oh, he nails one of my absolute favorites. <laughs> Thanks, Charles. We'll see you again next Monday. Uh, Charles Adler, Charles of course, give him Adler. a follow on Twitter. What a beauty. Do you guys give away the full size candy bars? No. And, no. you know, my wife is all about like, like, you know, the children are a future. Whitney Houston. Uh, but uh, no, you don't even get like, I don't want to say it's not. Do you guys good. give out toothbrushes? No. She gives out like uh, they're called. I don't want to say the name because, you know, they're not paying for anything. But they're no, they, say the name. What are they? They're called Made Good. And okay. they're, they're like little kind of granola bars, but they're vegan, gluten free. Made Good are amazing. They've Wyatt, got chocolate we, chips in them. So get they're them still Freezing good. Brothers. Like kids don't, you know, bat an eye at them. They still like thanks, but you know, they're not 
You guys give out made. They're not Reese peanut butter cups, that's for sure. Well, yeah, but I think that you're probably shelling out as much as you would be if you well, were giving out the big candy bars. I made good bars are. I saved three dollars at Freezing Bros. There you go. <laughs> Yesterday, my man, getting a thirty pack ready for tonight. Yeah, and you can find them in. Uh, I know some people are gonna be like thirty. I mean, we like hear from neighborhoods, people see like fifteen hundred kids. We, I don't even know how don't. you do that. We have a our. Front, I don't know how you do that. Our front door is the back door, and we live in a townhouse, so we usually, we usually get about fifteen to twenty five kids. Perfect. So, yeah, That's yeah, perfect. Yeah. You buy three hundred. Of the chocolate bars, you get 20 kids and you just crush the rest yourself. I'll bring a bowl in tomorrow to be sitting at your desk. Yeah, no, keep me away from the candy. Keep me away from the candy. Uh, if you're looking for last minute Halloween candy, including made good bars, you know where to find them. If you're in one of the 16 Alberta communities that's lucky enough to have a Friesen Brothers there. Do, do we have that photo of Frank Loveson of the OG, by the way? Would you mind throwing that up for our for our YouTube audience? Check this out. This is the founder of Friesen Brothers. This is Frank Loveson. Uh, I am just so blessed and honored and lucky to call this guy a friend and a mentor. Congratulations to the Friesen Brothers, the team at the South Edmonton store, the Rabbit Hill store, the Canadian Independent Grocer of the Year, the 2022 Gold Medal. Wow. For grocery stores. You know, the Canadian Independent Grocers of the Year, the Gold Medal goes to Friesen Brothers South Edmonton location. There's Frank. This guy, since 1955, has been tapping into Albertans' desire to gather around the family table with great food. And you can find those at Friesen Brothers, of course, Friesen.com. You can learn more. See their weekly flyer. And don't forget, tomorrow, the 1st of November, tomorrow, 15% off all grocery purchases, $75 or more at Friesen Brothers. The family-owned team at Eden Landscaping reminding you that as we head into the ground-freezing, snow-falling winter months, it's actually the perfect time to start talking about your spring plan for bringing your outdoor space to life. You don't want to be reaching out to Mike and his team at Eden Landscaping, you know, in April, right? They got to pull permits. They got to get the designs done. They got to order the landscape materials, the construction materials. You don't want the average run-of-the-mill stuff. You want your project to come to life, right? So they're going to need some time. Why not contact them today at landscapeedmonton.ca. Mike and his team at Eden Landscaping will be happy to get the ball rolling there. At the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park, I want to see, like, could you, next level would be handing out Dairy Queen at the door because the kids got to crush it, like, right now. Hey, Dilly Bars, Buster Bars, (laughs) Dairy-Free Dilly Bars, why not? Or, of course, just take the kids, take yourself today for a treat with their Fall Blizzard collection. Tis the season, including the fan favorite pumpkin pie blizzard. Absolutely amazing. You can check out the fall blizzard menu at the Dairy Queens in Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, and Baseline Road. And a shout out to Real Talker Lauren, who let us know she took her business over to Park Power just last week using the promo code 2022-REALTALK. You can check them out online at parkpower.ca. Know that a portion of your bill is going to support nonprofits and charities in the areas where Park Power customers live and work. Who else does that? The answer is nobody. You can check them out online, get a free quote today. You can compare rates, what you are paying now, what you could pay with Park Power on their website, parkpower.ca. Of course, there's always that sort of hand-in-hand relationship with Park Power and Kubi Energy. We tell you about that. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people that do business with Park Power, they've got 
Kubi installed solar panels on their roof. And in the spring and summer and a little bit into the fall months when your system's generating more than you need, Park Power will buy that back from you. It goes back to the grid. Uh, and, and of course, they're going to pay you more than the big guys, which is awesome. Kubi Energy, of course, every Monday, our first show of the week, they, they, they uh, give us a chance to just focus on the good, to take a look at what's filling our bucket. It's called Positive Reflections. And this week, we're proud to present a Halloween edition Ooh. of Positive Reflections. I love this. Andy Ross uh, tagged us in this over the weekend. He said, you know, we need some laughs here in Alberta this Halloween. <laughs> I mean, we got a lot of laughs. They just have sort of tears welling up in our eyes at the same time, Andy. I know what you mean. Andy says, I would like to submit my two-year-old a uh, video of my two-year-old not quite passing his driver's test as Lightning McQueen. Absolutely hilarious. You can view the video at Andy Ross 49. We got the little gaffer coming around the corner and whammo takes one right on the chin dressed as Lightning McQueen around the corner quickly. He's leading the pack. And the next thing you know, bam. So I say to Andy, that looks like a positive reflection to me. He says, <laughs> feel free to use it wherever is appropriate. Andy says, I will be showing it throughout his life whenever he needs a dose of humility, which is good. I think that video might show up 25 years from now at a wedding <laughs> or other ceremony. You never know. And then, you know, Bunsen and Beaker, you know, uh, Canada's most, now they're, they're the world's most well-known scientific researchers of, of the canine variety. Their, their human pal, you'll remember, has been on Real Talk before. <laughs> well, we just absolutely love that they shared these photos with us. You can check out their full Halloween collection on their Twitter account, Bunsen Burner BMD. Wow. Look at these guys. You got the Bernese Mountain Dog. You got the beautiful Golden Retriever dressed up as all kinds of uh, scientific explorers. Uh, look at that NASA outfit on a Bernese Mountain Dog. That's the first <laughs> I've ever seen. We love them for sharing this. Keeping it classy with the top hat. Very well done. A big shout out to Bunsen and Beaker and their 168,000 followers. We love seeing what you're up to for Halloween. Yeah. I say we dedicate a little segment, a portion of tomorrow's show to, more? to Real Talkers Halloween costumes. Do you want to know what my favorite think? one I saw online so far? So far, I'll yeah. throw this in at the end. Pugliarvi. Look at this one. Oh. From Finding Nemo. Oh, Darla, wow. the little girl, and his girl is the goldfish in the back. That is a brilliant <laughs> costume. The Bison King yeah. going as rock and roll girl from Finding Nemo. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Send us your Halloween photos, videos if you have them. You can tag us on Instagram or Twitter at RealTalkRJ. Or, of course, you can just email them to us at talk at ryanjesperson.com. We'll show off some of the best that Real Talkers brought to the table tomorrow. We'll call it an extended edition of sure, Positive yeah. Reflections presented by QB Energy. You can get your free solar quote today at kubienergy.ca. Coming up later this week, we're going to talk to filmmaker Trevor Anderson, who's doing an absolutely unbelievable job. His co-writer, Fish Grakowski, are going to join us in studio Wednesday morning to talk about their new film that's opening the Rainbow Visions Film Festival. You already know about it if you subscribe to our Real Talk Sunday message. That's our free email that goes up Sunday evenings. You can sign up for that by scrolling to the bottom of the page, our homepage at ryanjesperson.com. We'll see you tomorrow. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson. Executive producer, Josh Dunford. Technical producer, John Hicks. 
General Manager Katie Cook Chivers, Account Coordinator Lawrence Durlego, Human Resources Lena Shepard, Website Design Mike Johnston, Voiceover by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandy Morin, Ann Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a Relay Project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com.